0: If, if, if I want to sit down with you and talk for an hour, we're going to talk about God, then your record should talk about God. If we're going to sit for an hour and talk and that's not going to come up, then you probably don't need to put that on your record.
1: That
2: songwriting is an art is widely understood as a truth. What can be messy or confusing is what becomes of any art, particularly songwriting, when it becomes a job, or a business, or an industry. And then, what becomes of the people who identify as professional artists when the season changes and the industry evolves? Part of what makes Andrew Osenga a standout artist, aside from his clear capability as a songwriter, is the posture he lives in towards the making of music towards the people who make music, and towards the business of making music. He is an artist through and through. I enjoyed my conversation with him, and I expect you will as well. Check it out. So, hi. Thanks for making some space and time. Appreciate it.
0: Oh, I love it. I'm so excited. We'll go- <laughs> I don't know what you want to talk about, but I always love talking to you. So it'd be great.
2: Well, good. No, I, I'll, that's my job. My job is to <laughs> is to determine. You do podcasts, son. You know how this goes. I, I do I steer the ship. You just hold on and hope to stay on board. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> that's how this. That's how this goes. Um, <laughs> you're you are talking to me from your house in Nashville.
0: Uh, I'm from uh, my studio in uh, in Nashville.
2: You're in your studio in Nashville now. Yes. You you've been in Nashville now for a long
0: time. I have twenty some years.
2: This 22? is right, which is right about it's 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 almost that midway point. That's about half your life.
0: Uh, it's it's over half my life. It's I've been here longer than uh, anywhere else. Yeah, and you and you came from where? Remind me where you came from. I'm from a, a, a small town called Normal, Illinois.
2: Hence the, the, uh, the name of is. your original band, et cetera. Um, you've been in Nashville long enough. Does it feel, does it feel like home? Does normal feel like home? Do you have kind of a split sense of I'm from, but I live in? Tell me no,
0: I, I mean, Nashville is home. I mean, I, I, we like to say my wife and I that we're not natives, but we're locals. Got it.
2: And there's another yeah. there's another band name there by the way the local natives pretty, pretty <laughs> yeah, we're just all over even
0: harder to trademark
2: no that's actual a band name There really is a band name yeah oh
1: there you go
2: the local probably natives it. it's really true yeah. Uh, oh yeah
1: oh yes yes
2: yes uh, Nashville feels like home uh, and you moved yeah. there for you moved there for music
0: yeah indirectly I was actually going to teach high school well I was going to college because I wanted to teach high school English oh wow. and. I um I hadn't made a lot of plans, and then I broke up with a girl, and then there were less plans. And <laughs> I had a friend who said, "You know, there's a college in Nashville," and I said, "Sure." Um, and so and I had a publishing, a songwriting deal that I got my senior year of high school, which sounds cooler than it is.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And um, so I was like, "Well, I'll go. I'll write songs to pay for college, and then I'll go teach English, and then." kind of quickly music sidetracked that plan, which was a, a very unthought out plan, but the you know. the original plan was unthought out. Yeah. Yeah. Well every plan every plan has been unthought out.
2: <laughs> Are you cause you're not really a planner or do you cause you come up you, you seem more like you you've got you do have plans. You're not an, or an organized kind of randomized I learned, person.
0: I have learned uh it took me probably ten years to realize that like, oh Strategy and, mm. and business thought and like just being a, a wise, thoughtful person yeah, actually allows you to be the creative person that you want to be. I used to for some reason, when I was starting out, I thought those were in opposition to each other. It turns out one feeds the other if you do yes. it yes. Right. Yeah. So now that's kind of what I do. Um, you is plan help, is help artists more than, I mean I make my own art, but, but most of my time is spent helping other artists learn how to do what they do better and build a system and kind of create a thing so that when they make their art and they share their heart or whatever, it, it goes into a form and a system that actually can, can bear fruit.
2: Say more about that because so what, what I know of you, what a lot of folks know of you is Andrew Senga, songwriter, guitar player, um, and now you, and we'll get back to like you also run and host a podcast. Yeah. Um, there's this other element to your life though, that is kind of this passing on of your knowledge, uh, artistically, creatively, professionally to artists. What is, what is that? And in what context does that take place?
0: Yeah. Uh, man. Well, um, uh, so I am the director of A&R and r Uh, which stands for Artists and Repertoire, Artists and Their Songs, um, at a record company called Integrity Music. Currently, I was at uh, Capitol Records before this. And I've done this for kind of on and off the last five years, Um, the last four or five years, I guess, when I, I toured for the first 16 years of my life, and or of my career, and um, as opposed,
2: like, yeah, as opposed was, to,
0: oh, oh my God, from, like from anyway, birth
2: yeah. to my sophomore year, <laughs> I was on the road. It's all I knew.
0: Yeah. It's like I, a different actually, version of the that, book, that, The Road. But uh, that was the story of our band's keyboard player, who was, whose parents were Southern gospel artists. He is that real? was on the road, case clearly, yeah, I was on the road from like literally like three months old till he was 16 and said, like, Can I stay home? Um <laughs> but yeah, so I toured for all my adult life and got to a point where I was like, okay, I can make a living on the road Mm -hmm. playing guitar and then, but then I don't see my kids, my wife and I feel like I'm a failure (laughs) as a father Hmm. or I'm home and I can't figure out how to make a living. Uh, and then I feel like I'm not providing for my wife and my daughter. So either way Hmm. it, it was like, this is not sustainable. Um, and around that time, um, an opportunity at, at Capitol opened up to do a and R. And I'd always kind of wondered about that. So a guy like me, who's produced a bunch of records and played guitar for different people and been an artist and been a part of bands. And I've just kind of done a little bit of everything, not necessarily have I done anything super well. I've just done a lot of everything. Right. And so the idea is that in this role, um, being able to kind of do a little bit of everything is what's needed. So I, uh, I look for artists that a company can invest in and that we can help them uh, just partner together and help them create their songs their records and then you know market them and distribute them and all that and I am the person who kind of oversees the the actual song craft and the artistry of that so when I'm in the building in my office I am interfacing with the label on uh, kind of representing the artist because they're out on the road or they're in the studio and I'll kind of I'm the person in the, in a meeting that can say, this is what the song's about. This is the heart of a project, mm. whatever. Uh, when I'm with the artist, it's, Hey, you know, we talked about this. We talked about, uh, the scripture. We talked about your father. We talked about this. When I hear the song, I'm not seeing a connection here in this verse. So how can we tweak this verse mm. or how, is this the right production? Is this the right, uh, you know, is it the right tempo? Is it the right key? Um, you know are you saying the things that you really are wanting to be saying is this yeah. the thing you want to fight for and, and so i get to kind of help them shape that and I, that's my favorite part and this, I, is, the I, que- I, this uh, is the kind of question you would
2: ask of yourself as a songwriter
0: they are it's, it's most the questions. those are the kind of questions my whole community asks of each other
1: Some years move and grow with all But when every door is closed and I've lost everything, say really say honest.
2: more say more about that. Because when you 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 sort of turn the table on and saying you you'd worked as a songwriter in a band, uh, you've done some solo work, you've been in a couple different bands, and when you're yeah. talking about songwriting, you, the way you're describing it right now, you're working with someone else. Uh, in, in, in our context and you're asking questions that would be asked among a group of people as opposed to just
0: internally yeah so there's a group of uh friends here that I've just you know a lot we've been in a community for honestly like 15 years probably a lot of us um guys like Andrew Peterson Ben Shive uh Randall Goodgame Andy Gullahorn like um sort of my dear friends who are all singer-songwriters right and um Sometimes there are seasons of life where we work together a lot. There are seasons where we don't uh, work together as much, but we're just, when we get together, what we do is we play each other, our songs and we tear them into pieces so we can build Hmm. them back together. You know, it's just kind of what we've always done. Um, We, we joke that our, our wives get together and watch football and we sit together, (laughs) guys get together and like read poetry and cry. (laughs) (laughs) That might not be entirely untrue. It's not, it's not untrue at all. It's 100% true. That's really good. Um, (laughs) So all that to say, I've been shaped a lot by people who are better songwriters saying, hey, we've talked about this. When you played me the song, I felt like I got 80% of what you wanted to say, because I know Mm. what you want to say, because I know you. And that's really helped me become a better writer. Yeah. And hopefully that, you know, we've all done that for each other. And so in this role, I do a lot of that, uh, where I'm not typically, most of the time, I'm not actually writing with young band. It's like they're bringing me a batch of songs and I'm going through and going, okay, okay. yes, This is working, this one's not. But it's a lot of, you know, it's, it's young life. It's a lot of just time at coffee shops and
1: hmm.
0: walking around the lake and going, so what do you want to say? Why? Why do you want to say that? Well, what shaped you to want to say that? Hmm. Um, what is it about your childhood, about your, you know, about your family, about your community that drives you to want to make this point to strangers on the internet, you know?
2: So when you started writing music, Um, as a, as an infant, apparently before you hit the road, (laughs) Uh, before you hit the road between zero and 16, when, (laughs) when you started, I'm not letting that go. It's a a good moment. Um, (laughs) when you started running music, uh, I, maybe I should ask this instead of assume, but like it was, was it, was it personal? Was it like, it's, it's Andy in a room thinking about life and God and girls and war (laughs) and like,
0: Trying to figure out how to work that out—is that how it started? <laughs> that's pretty much it. Okay. That's that's uh, not, hasn't really changed. <laughs> uh, me in a room, <laughs> l- life and God and girls. That's pretty pretty much it. Yes,
2: different different the sort of context for the girls thing. Yeah, but,
0: yeah. But then the wife and three daughters. Yeah. <laughs>
2: but then, as time went on, you're writing with a band, you're doing it for money, um, and now the songwriting context takes place where you're working through someone else's songs in a way uh whether it's among friends or whether it's in the anr context you're working with songs in a way that has to be a little bit maybe i don't know like less personal that like you, it's not good just because it's yours kind of a thing can you talk about that evolution over time. Yeah. Was it easy for you to move from like, Hey, this is a song of mine that I care about. And it feels good. And I needed to say this, this way to like, here's a song that I need to work for other people. And I'm willing to let someone like slit its throat and breathe new life into it. And <laughs> like, there's, there's a bit of a progression there to some degree yeah. as an artist. Can you talk about that a little bit?
0: Yeah. It's uh you know, when I, when I first started writing, it was very personal. Um, and honestly, all writing is personal. There's no way for it not to be. Hmm. But you learn – the idea is whose story am I telling? And it, and hmm. kind of initially in my first band, um, when I would first start writing with other people, which was not a thing I did a lot when I started, I could only write about myself and my own experience. And um, hmm. eventually I, I think when I – a big turning point for me was I had I, I joined this band in Cadman's Call – which was kind of a big folk pop band in the late 90s, early 2000s. And we went to India, and we spent a month or two in India, kind of walking around, meeting with different people, hearing different people's stories, recording lots of indigenous instruments, and trying to take that music and those people's stories and turn them into a record that would share that experience with our American audience. And through that, I started, for the first time, writing stories about people who weren't me intentionally – Hmm. And i um, trying to, trying to write for an audience that wasn't me or my friends and, uh, stories that weren't my own. And that, whether or not I did it well on that record, that was kind of, that was a turning point point. in going, Oh, okay. I don't have to have like, I don't have to bleed on every song for it to be useful or good. And, um, and so so no, you're, you're
2: sort of drawing a line then between what's personal and what is like deeply emotive.
0: Yeah, and what I learned is I make my I, I kind of have to always be making my own music for me to be good with anyone else's. Um uh, so as long as I've got some shows or a record I'm in the middle of where I'm telling my own stories even if no one's listening. Right. You know that I'm that I'm kind of working that stuff out, I'm chasing whatever kind of rabbit trails I want to chase, then I'm free to say, okay, so these skills I've developed doing that I can use to help you tell your story. Mm. And that, that was a big shift. So, you know, earlier um, this week I was writing with a friend who's writing songs for his record. He's trying to, he needs songs fast. So he's inviting some friends, you know, we're, you know, we're going over and trying to help him come up with ideas and finish songs so that he can um, get this record done in time. And it's like, all right, this is, what does he want to say? So I'm asking him questions, what he wants to say, what he wants it to sound like. And, you know, he, you, you pour a little of your own experience into that but it's about trying to shape as much as trying to catch as much as sort of the rain of his words that falls and go okay yeah. I've rearranged it for you how's this? Yeah. how's this? Um, and so it's just a different it's a different way of using the same set of tools
1: Scatter Offer the blue skies the glory of your faces. You are a part of this kingdom and creation. Scatter my ashes in beautiful places.
2: Does it mean the same now? That like do you still have a sense of like personal meaning that that like music songwriting is, is, is it predominantly meaningful or is, do you find moments of meaning and it's mostly professional and, and this is my job and I find moments of meaning. Are you driven by meaning still? Like how is there a relationship there? Kind of attention?
0: Yeah. I mean, I honestly like it's been my entire adult life. I don't know the difference between, I have never been able to draw a distinction between what I'm doing for my income and what I'm doing for meaning most of the time. Wow,
2: right? Uh, that's that's because a pretty fantastic thing to have to 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 be able to say.
0: Well, it doesn't mean that I that I'm always checking either of those boxes. Often I'm checking neither, but um, <laughs> but I'm always kind of in pursuit, and I have had a, a sort of a you know we live frugally, which helps, but also like there have been a number of seasons of life where I've been able to check both boxes. Like, yeah. okay, I'm enjoying, I'm getting something out of this. Um, and I'm making enough money that we can live like, okay, good. Yeah. Good. Um, and you know, like the meaning that I get is changed. Like I used to be very much about, Oh, I've got to say this, this burning passion in my heart. Now I'm kind of like, dude, get over yourself.
1: Hmm.
0: Um, but what I love what I've realized I love more than anything in the last few years is I love helping people figure out what their story is so they can tell it.
1: Hmm.
0: Uh, I love helping people tell their stories best to the, the best way possible, um, particularly when it's the story of how God and redemption has inter intersected with their life, and that that to me is like, that to me is endlessly fascinating. So, inter- you say- interviewing somebody on a podcast, producing yeah. somebody's record, standing in the back of a room while a crowd sings along with a song that they don't know I had anything to do with, like those all scratch the same edge.
2: One of the things that, that one of the features and songs of yours, uh, off and on is you'll, you'll reference the, the, I don't know necessarily call say the difficulty, but you'll, you'll reference kind of, I mean, the, the, it's the way played out now, but you'll reference kind of the struggle of being, of being an artist and making music. Uh, in lines about like, Hey, we, we got a record contract, you know, and you know how that went. Like you'll, <laughs> you'll, like you'll come around in your songwriting off and on to this cycle or story of, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, am staying away from words like failure per se, but you really, you come back to the struggle pretty often, uh, in, in songwriting, um, is that, a, is that a matter of, Is the, is that just a matter of personal processing or are like, are you intentional about like your audience knowing a little bit about what they're coming into? Like, tell me, tell me about that. Cause I, I hear it off and on, like I said, in your songs, is that just like, this is in me to say, or are you trying to put something across to like, to an audience so that they would understand your context or what is that?
0: Yeah. Well, I think to some, well, to some extent I should say this, like any solo record I've ever made, I'm always the only writer on it. Um, Those are my, those essentially I'm like, Hey, here's my diary. Hmm. 12 people might enjoy this. They might get something out of it and that's fine. Like I've never really made any of those records for, for anyone else. Um, I spend most of my time helping making records, trying to make them more and more, trying to make them so that the most people can, can get it. Uh, My records are the exact opposite. So but I think one of the things that I have just struggled with as a human is knowing how to separate my identity from the relative successes or failures of my business life. Yeah. Yeah. You know, drive, you know, the houses I drive by that are way bigger than mine. And, you know, it's like, I, I, those are things that that I struggle with, you know, I really wrestle with who am I in that context. And so I don't know, I just feel like, I'm interested in having those discussions that uh, I don't hear a lot in songs. Yeah. And, um, I know that a lot of people might be like, yeah, that's not, I don't really care about that, (laughs) but that's Hmm. fine. Yeah. song's not for you. My my feelings aren't hurt. (laughs) If you're somebody that, that goes, man, I'm glad to know I'm not the only person that thinks that way or that has had that struggle, you know, to just, sometimes you got to call it out and, and you know, like what's the Bruce Coburn line. It's something that you gotta, you know, you gotta drag it kind of, drag those lies kicking and screaming into the light absolutely And then you see what they are you know and it's just a lot of that is is just me trying to do that why do you worry my
1: dear friend i i know you're hurting with no end i i feel your anger recognize it like my face in a pool is killing us. It robs us of today. It won't change anything or take the pain away. We hide in busyness and hear ourselves say that we trust the hate.
2: talk about storytelling and talk about Euro and, and, and meaning, um, you know, you're talking about like whose story I want to hang on to this line for a little bit, like, you know, whose story am I telling a lot of, um, and a lot of the work that you have done, whether with the normals to some degree, your solo work, although maybe that's where the, like gets a little more in- interesting, but definitely with Caven's call has fallen in line or fallen in the context culturally of what oftentimes it is identified as the Christian marketplace. Sure. Um, yeah. And obviously, you know, we're going to have that conversation. It's, it's, and I, I still don't think it's played out yet. Cause I still don't think we know all of what we're talking about when we say it, but, um, <laughs> but when you talk about, when you talk about meaning and expression, you, you've been in and around what we call the Christian marketplace for a long time. Have you sensed, have you felt then constricted at all by that? Like if you're writing from a place of human meaning your own human meaning your own story but there's this particular marketplace particular place and context in which that that does take place have you felt a place there have you felt constricted there can you talk about your historical relationship with the with a particular christian marketplace <laughs> yes
0: um yes gosh how much time do you have um to call it a a a, a complicated relationship would be generous um I got into Christian music. I ended up getting signed by a Christian publishing company, then a Christian record company when I was 18 years old. Um, sort of in the the faith, the version of sort of Christianity that I had grown up with. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really know there was an option to not do Christian music if you were going to be a musician. Hmm. And so, Just because
2: of your upbringing and your geography?
0: Yeah. I mean, like, I listened to Pearl Jam. And I loved Pearl Jam, but I didn't know that you were allowed to be in Pearl Jam. Oh, um, like
2: culturally, you didn't, like, you could listen, yeah.
0: but you couldn't really well, participate. Well, no, no I, by, I could listen, meaning I had, I like had to, you know, sneak that in. I was, I, I was raised very fundamentalist. And, um, and so, and I should say, by really, really good people who I think sat under some very, uh, wrong teaching. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, so... I don't want to throw the people under the bus because people. I really learned a lot from people who really cared about me the best that they knew how.
1: Right, right, um, right. But
0: what they were taught, I think, was was often wrong. Mm. Um, and I'm sure, by the way, that what I am teaching my kids is probably wrong in ways I don't understand.
1: So,
2: <laughs> Amen, um, and Amen. That's good wisdom.
0: <laughs> to be very clear about that. Um, all that to say, I got into Christian music because I didn't know you weren't allowed. You were allowed to do anything else, and um, but I was never super comfortable with it and kind of from the kind of outset was never from early on you were, oh, you were, yeah, you were like, I one. don't
2: know if I feel this all the way
0: day one. And that was kind of, but there was this whole kind of undercurrent of people who were, you know, college age who'd been signed to these labels and were on the Christian tours, playing the Christian, you know, whatever events. And, and would just sit around and complain mm-hmm. because how stupid it was. Hmm. Um, it was very cynical. And, um, Eventually, I got to a point where I think I just became well, I had a friend actually who sat me down, and was just like, and and I don't know how what your podcast rating was, but he he sat me down. And he said, "Hey, um, I need you to know that you're an a-hole. like you're just um, you're you're not a good person. And um, he said that out of love. And that was actually really shocking to me, and he's like, "Hey, there's some people I think you need to forgive." have you ever thought of forgiving them? And I had not. And, um, and it it was this kind of revelatory conversation, uh, that I probably text this friend two or three times a year and say, Hey, thanks for, thanks for calling me names. Um,
2: from that one conversation. uh,
0: Yeah. That one conversation that was, somebody cared about me enough to say, I'm, I'm, I'll risk losing your friendship to tell you a truth that no one else is willing to tell you about yourself, uh, because you've gotten so cynical. And, um, and so, that that began began the journey of kind of un undoing that cynicism how long and, um, ago was that that's was probably gosh 15 years ago 16 yeah. years ago now. yeah because that takes um, some unpacking <laughs> yeah i call myself a recovering cynic like it's always there um but i try to be active in in not indulging it yeah um and the way you do that by the way is gratitude mm. and um so while I say like I've been in the Christian music industry for a lot of time for a long time and I've been in, in some places like for seasons I've been in the kind of high ranking spots in that industry. Yeah. And um and you realize like, well, I wouldn't listen to ninety eight percent of the music that this building makes Ar- that I work. Artistically for. You know, artistically, as a fan, like this is not for me. I'm not their demographic. Okay well there is music that i love people are making music that i think is great so i'm going to listen to that now i've got this person in my office right now how can i help them make this thing the best it can be hmm. even if it's not for me and I, I couldn't have done that 20 years ago yeah um you know well there's a, there's I can, a kind I can, of a, I think the... about it now i hope i hope to be good at it in 10 years but yeah um but yeah that, that's been the big shift
2: It takes, what you're describing, it takes that kind, to, this sort of um, professional, uh, I, I don't know exactly how I want to frame this, but it, it takes a kind of detachment, uh, like a mythos that you have to remove from the process uh, in order to do that to songs of that nature. It's, uh, here, yeah. Let me, I'll do it this way. This is the story. So... Um, I don't, as the story goes, I I was at a, I was at a songwriting conference, um, not too far from where I live. And it was pitched as a Christian songwriting conference, which anytime, and you and I both know, like anytime something gets (laughs) framed that way, there's kind of this like, oh shit, this is going to get weird moment.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So...
2: (laughs) One of the things that – one of the practices during the conference was if you were an attendee, you had the option of sending in like a few songs, a mm-hmm. song or two, and and every every teacher or panelist person had the option of like taking a few on. And so I took a okay. few on and it was like, you know, I had like a batch of 10 songs and like you get to listen to the song and then you write up a critique on a critique sheet. And then there were, and then you know, artists that you know, the attendees would then get their songs back before they came to the conference. And you could talk to whoever the person was. They, they here's the phone number, you know, not phone number. Here's the, you know, here's the email address. blah blah blah. You can, you know, write this person back. Which is how that was supposed to take place. Like if you had questions about your critique, you could yeah. do that. Well, this particular person had gotten a critique, not by me, by but by one of the other panelists and the the other teachers uh, at the songwriting conference, who was a much bigger name. Uh, just much more successful, like really recognizable name and face in like church music culture, specifically church music culture. And this person, I guess, had they had gotten a critique from, from this from this panelist that he did not like or agree with. And you knew that because what, when this big named artist person got up on stage and started doing his thing, he went to a Q&A and the, the guy whose song had been critiqued stood up and said, I have a question about my critique. <laughs> like, oh gosh, here we go. That's amazing. And dude on stage says, you know, uh, well, okay, sure. What's your question? He says, I don't understand why, like I, I wrote you in know in, in the message to you, like, this is a song God gave me. And if God gave me the song, like how, you know, who are you to critique it? And this sort of like weird, I mean, I'll pause for a second. It's sort of like the weird mixture that happens in, the, in a religious music context of this sort of like spiritual significance download thing that happens where you have art that, ha- that is, as, as, you know, supposedly of some sort of a sacred nature and it's more difficult to approach it from a critical angle. So this guy from stage said, you feel like God gave you that song? And he said, yeah, God gave me this song. And brother from state said, "Perhaps you ought to consider that God gave you that song so you could fix it." <laughs> Which is a great answer. Uh, That's so good. It's so good. You are doing that for folks, but it it takes sort of this detachment. like something can be. Um, there's this myth, that, that, yeah. There's this mythos that if you're doing something for like for an, in a church context, for an, in a religious context, there's this like weird, mysterious, like untouchable thing that happens. Like this, it becomes more special, and and therefore the the quality tends to come down a little bit because we don't put the critical work into it. Is that your experience? Is am I am I ringing bells here for you? I mean, I've
0: definitely seen that. Um, uh, I've seen that happen. I mean, I think. Here again, it's so much about it is like, when I talk about the Christian music industry as a whole, I can kind of roll my eyes at it. When I talk about my experience in it, I can be both super cynical and amazingly, amazingly impressed.
1: Hmm.
0: Um, and my particular community has been people who I think are making, uh, are making some of the best art in the world. Hmm. Uh, I know some of the best musicians in the world, some of the best engineers, some of the best songwriters in the world. Um, and some of them fly very far under the radar in this particular industry. And, um, and then other people have kind of learned to chameleon themselves a little bit and like, no, I can, in the words of uh, one of my mentors, I can, I've learned to put a vitamin in a Twinkie. And, um, hmm. and so there's, there's that element of it. But I think, I mean, maybe it's just, uh, uh I've been taught by people well, uh, who have, guided people through that process, like, like that interchange that you experienced. And, you know, I, I usually tell people when I start working working with them, it's like, Hey, there will be a point when you hate me Mm. because I'm going to take something that you love, whether you think it's from the Lord or not. Like I'm going to, you're going to, I'm going to take something that you love. and I'm going to tell you it's not good and you don't have to be to to agree with me. And I might be wrong, but if you want to work with me, know that that's going to happen. And some people have been angry and they disappear. Um, But like the artists that I like to work with have usually leaned into that process, you know, Mm -hmm. and um, because they're smart, you know, I mean, just like a good chef. It's like, yeah, well, the Lord may have caused everything you have on your table to grow. But but that doesn't mean that it's a pasta, you know, like Hmm. you have to cook it and, and cut cut it and know how to do that and know how all their tools work. And
2: yeah, that's what know, makes it culture. Or, that's what makes it art is your actual participation. Right? I mean,
0: yeah. but even like, you know, God gave me my wife and got my kids, but that doesn't mean that they're perfect the way, you know, those relationships are perfect the way they are. It's like, you gotta put no, the work that out. stuff takes work. Yeah. And the, you know, the truth is, is like, if we believe in redemption and resurrection, it's like, then we you know, what are we saved from? What are we freed for? It's like, we are free so that we can do the work of fixing our relationships, you know, fearlessly creating, fearlessly loving. Um, that's the things, those are the things that we actually are allowed to do because of the belief that we have, which lets us be as creative as possible, right? Because my identity isn't determined by the thing that I create or by its sales. And guess what? I can make the weirdest, wildest thing that might end up being beautiful. It might end up being crazy, um, because there's a freedom there. So I think, you know, and I think I've just I've I've seen stuff that was so safe and for the masses and blah blah blah, and that's never been interesting to me. Um, But I've been around a lot of super, super creative believers who I think do their best work because of that freedom they found in their faith.
2: Do you buy the idea of sacred music? Like the delineation that there's music that is sacred music? And, and if not, like, like how, or maybe more to the point, do you buy the idea of sacred music? And what would you mean if you used the phrase?
0: You know, um, I believe that uh, music is a language, right? And so um, in a language, you write poetry, and you also write manuals for your dishwasher.
1: Hmm.
0: And so I think there are different uses for the kinds of things that people create. And I think all of, a lot of those can be valid. Um, I think that there, there are places, particularly like in worship music where, Hey, these are songs that are written specifically for a group of people to gather together, to sing, to remind themselves of, to remind themselves and to teach themselves what they believe, to look over and see that their neighbor, believes the same thing um, and that they share a struggle and they share a hope and so I think that 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 is' a, that kind of music is very specific um, whether you want to call it sacred music or worship music or Christian music it's never going to work on top 40 radio or in the club or karaoke like but it is going to work in that the place where it's it's meant I think the catch is when you try to take when you try to take something that's great, and then make a watered down Christian version of it, and that's where people yeah. get angry and get cynical and um, and that's a, that's the world that I think I started out in and that I just was able to kind of get get a lifeline out of pretty quickly like I didn't want to be the Christian version of Radiohead I think there is a, there is something about people wanting to people like to listen to music that uh, that speaks to what they know and believe you yes. know love songs you don't listen to happy love songs when you just got somebody just dumped you right like
2: no, not, and not unless you hate yourself and you're just trying to yeah.
0: <laughs> you're just trying to right? dig
2: a little bit deeper into that sense. Yeah.
0: but it's like you get dumped man you, you listen to Bonnie Raitt and bon Vere, and right like you get sad you, you go for it and um so I think you know th- there's music created for different different environments and different seasons of life and so I don't know I think you just it's have good. to be I think if you're in a place where you're making what is on your heart, uh, what is true to you and you've done the work to know who you are, uh, then if, if, if I want to sit down with you and talk for an hour, we're going to talk about God, then your record should talk about God. If we're going to sit for an hour and talk and that's not going to come up, then you probably don't need to put that on your record. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I had an interesting experience too, where, and this was very shaping for me. I, I played guitar for a guy named Stephen Curtis Chapman for a couple of years. And, um, I was raised like listening to him when I was in high school, you know, middle school and a little bit of high school. And then I, I hadn't heard his music for 20 years. I might think that the music's a little cheesy, but, um, and I can say this cause I said it to him mm-hmm. and, um, and, uh, but you know, I had some good friends on the tour and you know, it's a great gig. So I went and played with him and I realized that like his communication, like he as a person uses language that I might find a little cheesy. Um, He's a different age, he's in a different sort of culture, and like he'll say things like, hey, he'll text like before a show, like, settle up, boys, we're hitting the trail tonight or whatever. And you're like, wow, he really thinks this way. (laughs) This is like who he is.
2: That's actually him.
0: So when you're standing on stage and you're singing, settle up, you're a horse, you're like, you know what? This guy means this to the core of his being. Mm. I will take a bullet for this. Like he is being true to himself, Mm. and it's in a different vernacular than me and my like artsy Beekner friends. And you know what? That's great. And uh, that was really, that was really shaping for me.
1: The summer breeze raced down the hall. It felt so good that I forgot the dogwood tree. I miss that view. The plans we made, I miss the
2: when you, again, coming back to, uh, to story and whose story am I telling? And ultimately part of what you're getting at, even with the Stephen Kirsch Chapman moment there, uh, is, you know, it, the best you can do is to tell your own story really well. That that's kind of the goal. It's what you're doing with your artists in, in r It's like, how do you find yeah. your story and do that really, really well? Um, the, the broadcast, American cultural moment uh, that you and I find ourselves in uh, is is moving uh, at least in central focus and, and, and conversation is moving away from whiteness, moving away from uh, the sort of the straight white male Christian centric, storytelling that a lot of what is hit a lot of what is interesting a lot of what i would i would go so far as to say is important and is urgent now sure is not straight not white not male and not christian do you as a as a creator who is a straight white male christian do you have do you like do you have a sense of like have you felt that shift for your work, for your creativity, have you felt like, like, have are you navigating that? Like what, tell me about the yeah. last like three to four years or so, maybe even more so since the, you know, since the 2016 election, what's it yeah. look like for you to be an artist who is a straight white male Christian to make art or want to make art or help make art for this time in history?
0: Yeah, man, I think about that all day, every day. Um, that's kind of, that is a burning uh, thing on my heart. Um, I, uh, I spent a lot of time looking actually at the demographics of the church. I'm really fascinated by this mm-hmm. and, uh, the church in America is shrinking among white males as white males are shrinking in proportion to the culture. Uh, still they're, them white males being Christian is shrinking within its shrinking demographic.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But the church in America is growing and it's growing among women. It's growing primarily among Asian women and Hispanic women and African American women. And when you look at Christian radio or most big conferences, you see a bunch of guys that look like me. Yeah. And um, that's not great. That's not great. When you look at... Uh, The worship songs sung around the world now because so many people look to America for influence. Uh, Over 70 percent of the songs that are sung by the church are written by 20 white guys that live here in Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah, that's not good. That's not good for the church. That's not good for those 20 white guys.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And I love some of those guys and it's not good for them and um what pause there for
2: a second because that's something it's like that's that's an interesting thing to say and i can mm mm-hmm that but what do you mean by that's not good for those 20 white guys because that's part of the way that story comes across for folks who are none of these things straight white male christian yeah that 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 it is that way because it is good for those guys that's why it became that way it's good for those guys so what do you say what are you saying when it's not good for those guys what's that mean
0: Well, I know that when you have a house that's so big that you you can't have friends anymore, that's Mm -hmm. not good for you, Hmm. right? Um, I know how hard it is to be friends with some of these guys because I can't hang out with them and not deal with envy.
1: Hmm.
0: And I know that I'm not the only person in their circle, right? Um, I know the weight that that's put on them. Hmm. Uh, I know the sort of the isolation. And I just see like, yeah, you know what? You would be better you'd be better off if you made less money. Hmm. And that's not, that That probably sounds real judgy. Um,
2: not necessarily. <laughs> it sounds like it sounds more prophetic than it sounds judgy.
0: <laughs> and I say that out of like deep, deep care for some of those people who've been very, very kind to me. And I just go, you know what? Um, I don't think it's good for any of us to speak for, for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and uh, and I'm not knocking them. It's like, most of they didn't. Nobody set out with. Nobody had an ulterior motive to make millions in worship music. It's like they're just they're doing. They literally like all these guys started writing songs at their churches and people started singing them because they're really gifted at it. And they, you can't knock that, right? No. It's not their. It's not their fault. That that's just like. how the.
2: That's just it's how that, the marketplace right? works. It's like,
0: it's just how that works. But there's, you know, there are all these cultural implications of well, you're in a position where you can do this because you da 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 and you da 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 and, you know and. Uh, it's like any other, you know. Most of the CEOs of Fortune 500 companies, their parents were rich, mm-hmm. right? Because they could afford to go to the good schools. No, 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 right? It, it, so all of this stuff is systemic, and so the key is when you're when you're those 20 white guys, how do you look around and go, how do I help?
1: Hmm.
0: Right? And that's the, that's the key. And I, to be fair, I'm probably in that category, right? I'm an executive at a record company in Christian music, right? So, so how do you help? My job. So my job is okay. Well, don't only sign white guys, right? Um, and to, so far, I haven't signed any, but I've signed African American women and um, white women, and um, trying to sign, like working with Catholic artists in the Protestant world, working, you know, trying to do things that are that are not a white guy with an acoustic guitar,
1: Hmm.
0: say this as a white guy with an acoustic guitar who loves all of his best friends who are white guys with acoustic guitars. (laughs) So, (laughs) um, so that, that's been a thing for me is how do I Hmm. just look for other voices and go, okay, so I'm, I'm sitting here with some resources and some amount of gifting. How do I use this to serve a little bit, you know, like I can't fix the system, but like, can I fight for a few people's voices to get heard? Right. And, and over 20 years of me in this role, can I sit and have conversations with people where they hear me pushing and they see the things, the, the beauty that other people bring in and they go, Yeah, I'm a little, I'm more open to that too. I need to do that too, you know? And, yeah. And I've had people that have poured into me and I'm the fruit of that. And that's why I even think this way. And so um, I think for us in this position, it, it, it's really our responsibility to go, Okay we're here how do we make the best of it how can we leave this place more beautiful and more diverse and um you know open and um and more welcoming and more truthful to the to the the kingdom of god than it was when i got here and um that's that's the goal and i won't do it perfectly and um but but yeah that's the that's kind of the big picture goal. I don't okay. know if that answered your question. It
2: did. Well, and part specifically the you know the 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 place and posture that you get to live in to answer that question is going to be somewhat unique uh, in that cultural space because a lot of what ends up happening, uh, the music is this place, It's this way in which. You know, by which and to which we are gathered and in which we gather. And part of why white evangelical America gathers as white as it is, is because the culture has been dominated by like white um, male artistic expression. And part of what you're saying is, yes, that's been the case. And here are people like, you know, here are people who look like you and I, who have the opportunity then, if we have that power to wield that now differently, if you become conscious of that now then how what do you do from where you are in order to make tomorrow better because yeah. maybe maybe you didn't yeah. see it. maybe you didn't see it coming maybe you didn't didn't care maybe you didn't it wasn't that big a deal but now if you do and you're in this position how do you actually take the power and the privilege the wealth that you have now of resources and otherwise and actually build into tomorrow so that it doesn't look as much like you as opposed yeah. to I can continue to do this and just keep making music and art that's going to draw in this crowd and going to continue to isolate others I love that answer because, because yeah. it doesn't just come from like here's a neat idea. You're actually in an executive boardroom. You're actually in an office in which you get to say, here, here is a non-white, non-male voice that I want to give a place in a position of power to. That actually does make a difference uh, tomorrow. I love that. Well,
0: thank you. And I should say too, like I'm employed right now by a company that believes in this, you know, and that, that's why I took the job and that's mm-hmm. why they offered it. It's like that then we talked about it it oh there's a whole company of people that are revved up about this
2: around here i'd love to give you a chance to talk about uh, about the pivot about the podcast this is is yeah. maybe your newest uh, artistic like long-term artistic expression uh, is actually doing the pivot as a podcast one can you can you talk about the podcast uh, the, what it is and what you're doing with it and like how did how did it actually come up
0: yeah well to, um, it's kind of the, the the podcast in my last record sort of came about at the same time for the, for the same reason. Uh, there were two different ways of sort of, uh, having the same conversation. Um, uh, I I had a, I've always, I'm a Midwestern kid. I always have like five jobs. (laughs) And, um, when I was 35, I took this record company job. I was like, Oh, it's fine. I've finally done it. Whatever. I'm going to retire here. I love this and whatever. And then two years later they were like, yeah, you don't work here anymore. And, um, And it was the first time in my life that I didn't land on my feet Hmm. and, um, I had three kids and a mortgage and, and, uh, and panic attacks and, um, like legit, I didn't know what to do. Yeah. I didn't know what to do. And, um, basically everybody hits this spot in their mid to late thirties where you go, okay, I've now worked as long as I haven't on paper. I'm halfway done with my life. Is this what I want?
1: Hmm.
0: And, um, and everybody I know is asking those same questions. And is is um, once you start kind of once you lose a job, people all of a sudden come out and want to talk about what's, you know, they like they have stuff that they want to talk about. that Now you're a safe place because like, mm. you, you know, for whatever reason, you know, and um, sort of like you, you show up at, at your 12 step meeting. And all of a sudden you go like, oh, we can talk about this now, too. Oh, yeah, good
1: yeah, yeah. Oh, thank God.
2: There's kind of a um, there's kind of like this this shared suffering opens a door for,
0: like right? a, go, For actual no, you're conversation. You're not going to judge me for this, right? right. You're yeah. a safe place. Yeah. And um, and so I'm having all these kind of amazing conversations. Uh, no, none of them are paying me, but I'm sure enjoying <laughs> the yeah. conversation. So I was, uh, I just kind of had this thought, like I love podcasts and I've got this recording gear that, and I have nowhere to use it. And what if I just we can't be the only people that talk about this stuff, but maybe because we're <laughs> right. we're artists, like we're more open to talking about it. Yeah. What if I just record some of these and share them for people? And so I did that and it kind of immediately took off. People loved it. And, um, and the response was kind of overwhelming and immediate, um, you know, the me too of it just, yeah. Oh, I thought I was the only person. It mm-hmm. was amazing to hear, Oh, I've been wanting to quit my job. I finally had, you gave me the guts to, or to go start this or to, you hmm. know, to go say this to my wife or whatever. Like, um, it's been, it's been a real treat. So I've, I've, it's been about a year and a half that I've been doing yeah. it and I just, I just couldn't love it more. So it's a, far. it's,
2: it's a really, really interesting podcast. All those conversations are very, Thank unique. You. I mean, the, again, once again, the place and posture, geographic, cultural, you get to sit in and ask questions it's, it it is a really unique expression. The, the podcast and the, uh, and the new record parallel and come out of the same place in, in, with the podcast, you're asking questions of others. There's a sort of the question and answer thing that happens with the record as well. To some degree, it's a bit of, it's a little bit of a, I mean, which a lot of your songwriting ends up being, it's very, it's not like just narrative. There's a bit of a conversation in it. Can you, can you talk about, like, how, how are you doing – like, how does the record approach that moment, that pivot moment for you?
0: Yeah, well, the uh, the record's called The Painted Desert. And it um, – kind of the idea is just when you, when you have these, these days or that season where, like, you're used to you – used to walk into the room and, like, you flip the light switch and it always turns on. And, and one day you walk in and, it, like, it doesn't – just doesn't turn on. Hmm. And eventually you have to realize that you've you got to do some work because some stuff is, is – uh, is broken, and um, hmm. and so the, the record is kind of the, the podcast is me sitting and not talking as much as possible, which has been a good thing for me to learn and practice. Hmm. Um, it's just to ask people questions and then shut up. And um, I've learned a lot from that. the 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 record is me sort of processing like, well, uh, God, these are my expectations, and my expectations are not met, and probably won't be. Um, why? And what am I supposed to do instead?
1: Hmm.
0: And um and so kind of a lot of wrestling with scripture in that, but then also um holding on to a lot of scripture, you leave me beside Still Waters. Okay, well then I'm gonna go to the lake every day and walk around. Because hmm. you said you were gonna be there. So I'm just gonna go there and wait for you. Yeah. Um, which was a very tangible thing. And so I wrote a song called Still Waters while walking around the lake.
1: Right.
0: Um and then uh a a, a verse in, in the book of Joel uh, it says he will redeem the years the locusts have eaten. Well, okay, let's talk about the, those years, and let's believe that he's going to redeem that. And um, and so the record's kind of a, a very chill, moody, yeah. on Stephen Z. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, just look at what what is it like to be in that season so i think some people might listen to it and think oh it's kind of sad but to me it's it's very helpful because a lot of healing was done by the process of making it it's a
2: it's actually re- it's i don't want to call it an easy listen because it's not easy listening but when like when you chill is probably the word like there there's a great energy through the whole record it, it, but it does have that sufian's a, a pretty good parallel but like it does, there's this sort of this It's a piece. Maybe that's what I'm looking for. There's like this, there's this energy that holds the record together and it's, there's, but there's a piece that runs all the way through it, which is really fascinating to hear. (laughs) Yeah, no, you don't want that. But like, but like the, there's a, there's a piece that runs all the way through, which is fascinating insofar as it comes from a place of. And needing that piece. Like you, you, you were, you were in a transition sort of in that, the, you know, the, not exactly, you know, hitting the ground moment, but like you said, not landing on your feet for the first time. And that these are the songs that came out of it. I love that. That actually reframes the way yeah. I hear it as well.
0: Oh, wow. Well, thanks. And that idea of the, the painted desert, I was reading a lot of Westerns that year, but also <laughs> like, you know, that's a place where nothing grows, but it's beautiful. And, you know, some good comes out of a, of a tough season, is kind of the idea. So. I love it. Yeah. Well, thank you.
2: Oh, you're quite welcome. You're very welcome. Well, Andrew, thank you. Yeah. Okay. okay. Hey,
0: I got to tell you, and if you're still rolling, then keep, then use this. You need to know, like, your prayer book is amazing. And and I have used it a lot. Oh, I've been really, man. really thankful for it. Uh, both, both your writings and is it Scott? Is that his name? The artist? Yeah. Um, dude, the things that, the things that he, Every one of those images, you look at it, and at first you think you know what it is, and then you look closer, and it's something different. Yeah. And it's the same with what you write. It's one (laughs) of the, it's shocking how much you got out of some little line drawings (laughs) and like 12 12 words a page. Like, it's profound. And I just, Mm. I hope people. I hope a lot of people find it and I think a lot of people are going to find it really useful and, and beautiful. So Dude, that's, if you can throw that in the podcast, do it. <laughs> I, I, I will. I will. I'll, I'll try to figure out a way to do that. I think it's great, man. I just, I'm, I've been really thankful for it. I, I read it most days.
2: No, that's really, really cool. I, I definitely appreciate that. And I appreciate you paying attention to and listening to this episode of the Etsy podcast. You can follow up with Andrew Osanga and look into any of the wonderful things he's up to as an artist, as a musician, a podcaster. The podcast is called The Pivot. Uh, his most recent project, called The Painted Desert, is available on Spotify and iTunes, kind of anywhere, and it, it's really, really good. Do yourself a favor and go check it out. You can find me at justinmcroberts.com, and if you are interested in joining this team and supporting the work of this podcast, you can head over to patreon.com search my name, Justin McRoberts. We'd love to have you on the team. Until next time.